morning and welcome to North Church. We're so glad you're here with us today. In a moment, the band's going to come out and lead us in a few songs, followed by an important and powerful message from one of our North Church Bible teachers that will inspire us to go deeper in our walk with the Lord. All in all, our services will last for about an hour. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit us online at northchurch.net. Scroll to the bottom of the page and click on e-bulletin. There you'll find all the upcoming events and information about our church. After service, if you still have questions, please visit us at the Information Center. There a volunteer would love to answer any questions and help you find your next steps here at the church. Also, visit us at the coffee bar. You can get a hot drink, a cold drink, espresso, donuts and pastries, and it's all run off of your generosity. If you are new or this is your first time coming, welcome. We'd like to invite you to a five-minute meeting called First Connect, where you can meet one of our pastors and learn about the heart of our church and how you can get better connected. We believe in going deeper in the Word of God, and you have an opportunity right here at the church to do just that. Starting May 1st on Monday nights, we have Equip classes. There's a study offered for men, one for women. There's a class that'll teach us how to be better stewards of our finances, and another one that'll teach us how to be good parents to our children. Learn more online, sign up on the events page of our website, and we'll see you there. May 12th, Partners International will be hosting an evening here at North Church called A Quiet Light. There will be a speaker from the Middle East who's going to talk about persecution in his region. For more information, contact Linda Z from Partners International. Those are all the announcements we have for you today. If after service you're in need of prayer, please step forward and a member of our prayer team would love to pray with you. Also, right now on your mobile device, you can check into North Church on Facebook. Every three check-ins provides an item for a welcome basket for refugee families coming into Spokane. All right, now it's time to sing. Would you please stand?
Hey, welcome to North Church. Glad you're here. Uh, one of our things that we love here is connection, healthy, growing relationships. So we love meeting new people and helping the people around us feel welcome here at church. So why don't you go ahead and turn and welcome and greet the people around you right now. Hey, well, good morning again. Glad that you are here with us. Uh, I have two of uh, some of the most wonderful people up here with me. This is Vinny and Kathy Del Pizzo. They are the directors of Serve Spokane. I don't ever get welcomes like that. Um, so they're the directors of Serve Spokane, and they're doing an amazing job over there, which is a ministry that we are partnered with. And I just wanted to have them share a little bit about what's going on and some of the, the cool thing that's happening right now. So take it away, guys. Yeah. Nate took some of it away from me. I was going to introduce ourselves, but <laughs> now I have to think what I need to do next. <laughs> no, anyway, we want to just thank all of you here because you, you guys are part of Surf Spokane. You're the ones that made it what it is today, not us. It's all, you, all the contributions and help that you've done physically, too. So we want to just thank you for that for all that you've done for us. Serve Spokane, what is it? What are we supposed, how do we describe it in a couple of words? Well, right now our major outreaches are the food pantry and the clothing bank. In July of 2007, our food pantry started and the clothing bank started a little bit later. We started in a, the food pantry was in a, a container that was eight feet by eight feet by 40 feet long and we handed out bags of groceries. And those first months, we served about 60 people at two distributions. 10 years later, we're looking at 10 distributions a month. And last, the last quarter, we served an average of 1,500 people, food and clothing. Our, our biggest desire is that there be no need for us and we'd have to close our doors because nobody needs <coughs> us. But that doesn't seem to happen. Our numbers continue to grow. The people who come to us are from a wide variety of areas. We have homeless people. We have people who've lost jobs and had catastrophic illnesses. And, and we have the privilege in Jesus' name of handing them some groceries, some nice clothes. Our clothing ministry is fabulous. They, they won't put anything out that any of us wouldn't wear. And, and just mostly, we get to be the hands of Jesus. We get to be a safe place for people who are going through times that don't feel particularly safe. One of the, this is a fun thing partly. Something that's really close to our hearts is God has opened doors for us to work with Evergreen School. And we started five years ago with the Bite to Go program. We partner with Second Harvest they go out and shop for this stuff. We find um, sponsors to help, $12 a month for a year per child, $144. And we are able to, every week of the school year, bring four meals for the weekends for kids who are hungry, food insecure kids, kids who depend on school breakfast and school lunch for their major nutritional benefit, and who may or may not have food over the weekends. And God's also opened a door as we've been going to Evergreen. We recognize the incredible work that the staff there does, that they are more than just employees doing a job, but that they really care about the kids. And so right now, we're developing a team of volunteers who might want to do some nice things for the staff. I have some ladies who are baking cookies. We're going to bring donuts. Maybe we'll do a lunch once in a while. So if, if in any of these areas, clothing, food, Evergreen, any of that, if any of you have an interest, We'll be in the lobby afterwards. But again, we really want to thank you. And it's such a small word, but it, when it translates into the look in people's eyes as they get what they need, 
um, the gratitude is more than you will ever know. So thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for the countless hours that you put in and the time, preparation, and all the, the prayer and sacrifice that uh, it takes for you to lead that ministry. So thank you as well for uh, being there for that. <laughs> clearly, uh, clearly God's hand is on Serve Spokane, and uh, I, I am honored being a part of a church who is the real practical hands and feet of God. And uh, that, that's an honor to be a part of a church who does so much for our community. So uh, we uh, are going to do a, a special offering uh, later on in the service uh, to help uh, the, the needs uh, and to help that ministry move forward. So you can be looking to that uh, uh, later in the service. Uh, one last announcement before we uh, uh, continue to sing is we have our equip classes starting tomorrow night. So some of you maybe have already signed up for some of these equip classes. Maybe you've taken some before. Um, it starts tomorrow night. We have a wide variety of classes that are happening, whether you uh, uh, want to do a Bible study or learn more about marriage or uh, finances or whatever it may be, parenting. We've done all numerous amount of classes. Here's just a few th that are going to be happening uh, starting tomorrow night. Uh, if you want to sign up for those, you can go to our uh, uh, connections team out in the lobby. They can help you sign up. Or you can go to our website at northchurch.net under the resources tabs and the signups, and you can sign up for one of these equipped classes. They are really great just to learn more, but also just to connect with other people who are in uh, those classes as well. So please go ahead and do that. Otherwise, would we uh, stand up together? Let's pray, and then we're going to continue to sing. God, we just thank you so much uh, for who you are and what you do in this church and the uh, many various ministries that happen here. God, we pray. Uh, that this morning would not just be another Sunday, God, but this morning would be a time, a time that we come before you, Lord, and that we posture our heart uh, in a manner that is in complete surrender to you. God, we want to know you more, and we want to experience you in our lives in a deeper way. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's continue to sing.
You're 
Go ahead and take a seat where you're at. Just thinking about the, the wonder of who Jesus is. That's why we're here. We're here because it's a group of people who deeply love and need Jesus. And sometimes it can be easy to just wonder where is he? Is he real? I just want you to know that he's been with you every moment through your life, that he's here with you right now, and that the name of Jesus is greater than any other name, that nations will bow at the name of Jesus. So I just thought we could just take a moment, take 60 seconds by yourself, I think pray to the God, pray to Jesus, the God of the universe who wants to hear and cares about your very individual specific needs this morning. So let's take just, just a minute, minute and just pray. All these things we commit to your care in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings here in just a second. Uh, but uh, as a part of that, like we do at the, this is a fifth Sunday this month, and every time that there's a fifth Sunday, we like to do a kind of an additional offering above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings uh, to invest in what God's doing. And it was so great to hear what God is doing in Sir Spokane and how. Through that organization, he's meeting the needs in our community and stuff like that. So our fifth Sunday special offering today is going to be for Sir Spokane. I know there are lots of ways to participate in what they're doing. I know that Vinny and Kathy and their team would love to talk with you about volunteering and serving and being a part of that with them with your time. But if you'd like to make a contribution towards what they're doing this morning, that would be great. If you're doing that with a check, um, you can make the check out to North Church, but just in the memo put fifth Sunday and that will get where it goes. Um, if you're using text to give or online giving, there's a fifth Sunday option as well if that's where you're doing that. So if you want to participate in that above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings, that's great. We're going to do both offerings at the same time. So uh, God bless you as you give. Ushers, why don't you come on forward and receive that offering this morning. This week I had, um, I had one of those experiences on the phone. You know, one of those customer service experiences 
And uh, it was everything that you'd hope for, right? It was one of those, um, I found myself um, feeling things that I probably shouldn't feel and wanting to say things that I definitely know I wasn't supposed to say. And at the heart of it all was this sense that I had of, hey, listen, I've been a good customer. I've held up my part of the bargain. You guys made some promises to me about what you would do on your side of the bargain, and you haven't come through on that. And, and if you can't meet these expectations that have been set, well, then I'm afraid I'm going to have to go find another provider. So the representative of this multi-million dollar company says, yes, Mr. Kilpatrick, we'll do our best to survive without your $34 a month. <laughs> but we can't help you right now. And I was left with a sense of, that's it, I'm out. I've given them extra chances, I've given them opportunities, I'm done, I'm stepping away, and I'm gonna go sign up and subscribe with somebody else. And I realized in my tone of voice in that conversation, I recognized a tone of voice that I hear in some other conversations. Um, that tone of voice I hear when either I or others that I'm talking to have an experience with God where he doesn't kind of come through and meet the expectations that we've got. And this sense like, God, I've, I've been a faithful follower. I've done at least most of the things that you asked. I've been doing what I can to hold up my end of this bargain. And there's some things that I think you're supposed to be doing. And you haven't done them. And I may give you an extra opportunity. But frankly, if you don't come through, I'm going to have to step off and, and find another provider. <laughs> and I think sometimes we do. We view our, our relationship with God kind of like a, like a subscription. And some of us have a monthly subscription and some of us may have an annual subscription, but there's this sense that at any point, if I don't like what I'm getting out of this service, I can pull the plug and step somewhere else. And, and that's a little bit dangerous, right? Because the fact of the matter is, in real life, um, our faith, this faith that we have in God, it has, to, it has to exist in the tension. We, we have to live in the tension between our faith on the one hand and some of our real life experience on the other. God, I believe that you can, you can heal and that you want to heal. And yet over here in my experience, they're not getting well. And maybe they even already passed away. God, I know you tell me that you work in all things to bring about good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. But God, in my experience right now, I'm not experiencing much of that good. All I'm experiencing is the pain. I believe this, but I experience that. And that's a reality that we all hit at some point or another, and our faith has to live in the tension of that. And in our text today, we're gonna look at a few guys who are exactly in that kind of situation. It's, it's from Daniel 3. It's one of the great Sunday school stories of all time. So if you're an old timer like me, you heard this story told on flannel graphs and on TV and with bad animation and with live action video and DVDs and at every level and with every kind of technology you've heard this story. But if you haven't, you're lucky because hearing it for the first time is great. <laughs> Here's just a little bit of context for where this story takes place. Um, uh, you're gonna get like the whole Old Testament in a couple of moments here, so listen fast, okay? There was creation, God created everything, and then there was a flood where he destroyed everything, and then he made a deal with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be their God, and they would be his people. But then they ended up in Egypt where they were slaves, so God sent Moses to bring them out of Egypt to go to the promised land, where they became a kingdom of great notoriety, but then they quit following God, had a civil war and split, and then eventually the nation of Babylon came, conquered them, and took them all away. There's your Old Testament. This particular story happens at towards the end. They've already been taken away into captivity by Babylon. They're, they're a conquered people. They're not even in their hometown of Jerusalem anymore. They're away in Babylon. And in this story, the guy who's in charge of Babylon is Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who's like the Old Testament definition of bipolar. This guy is a piece of work. And he gets this idea that he wants to make the whole nation and everybody just worship whoever he wants to. So he builds this huge statue out on the plain and he, involved, and he invites everyone involved in the running of the country at any level and, and drags them all out there in front of this huge statue and says, when you hear the music play, you have to worship this image that I've created. You have to stop what you're doing, bow down, and begin uh, worshiping this statue that I've put up there. 
And, uh, and if you don't, there's going to be a real problem because your refusal to worship constitutes disobedience to me as the emperor. And when that happens, we can't tolerate that. So anyone who doesn't voluntarily choose to worship when I tell them to and who I tell them to is going to end up being burned alive in this furnace that I'm heating up real hot. Very inspiring message on his part. <laughs> and so they kind of lay, he lays that whole thing out. And uh, if you get a chance, read Daniel chapter 3 because it just, it's, uh, we're not reading the whole passage right now because it's, uh, it's very repetitive. They keep talking and like when they talk about when the music plays and then they list all of the instruments like four times. It gets a little old. So the moment comes when finally everyone's there, the statue's up and the music begins playing. And, and immediately everyone assembled who doesn't want to die bows down and begins worshiping this image, this idol. Except there's this one report that comes back to Nebuchadnezzar. And they, and they say, your majesty, you said that when the music plays, everyone needs to worship the image, and if they didn't, that they were going to get burned alive in the furnace. And it, as it turns out, there are these three guys that you have appointed to these roles in the government. They happen to be some of these folks you carried away from Jerusalem they, they, when you conquered them. They're here, and they are refusing to worship. Now, when you're the emperor, you can't just make exceptions for stuff like that, right? I mean, once you've made an idiot move and said, we're going this direction, you just keep going. And that's what he did. He said, so bring him before me. And, uh, and he, he collects these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he gives them their one more chance. He said, look, perhaps I was unclear, and maybe you didn't understand. So here's how this needs to play out. You're either going to worship this image, this, this god, this idol. You're going to worship this thing when the music plays, or I'm going to have to burn you alive. And that's where we pick up this very encouraging story. Daniel chapter 3, starting at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. It's the old, our God is greater than your God ploy. Very powerful. And then they say, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. What a, like, what a great statement. Our God can and will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not serving your God. We believe wholeheartedly in this God to whom we've given our life and from whom we take our identity, and we expect him to come through in a particular way, but even if he doesn't, he's still our God, and we're not leaving him. It's that kind of double-fisted faith that says we're ready for whatever happens. Whether this works out well or whether it works out poorly for us doesn't change the fact that we believe and serve the God whom we worship. On the one hand, there's this fearless confidence that God's going to come through. And on the other hand, there's this sense that no matter what happens, I'm going to stay with him. And really, this first one over here is a little bit easier to say, I'm just going to believe and continue to trust that God's going to come through. I believe in his capacity and his power, and I believe that he will. We can do that. But there's a, there's a belief out there sometimes, and sometimes it's taught directly, which is a problem, and other times there's just an assumption that's made but either way, the belief is this, that if I'm good enough on this side of the equation, if I'm good enough at believing that God can and will do this, if I can muster up enough faith and, con and conviction that God's going to come through, if I do a good enough job on this side, then I will never ever have to worry about what happens on this other side if God chooses to come through in a different way than I expect. I've just got to be, I've got to serve God well enough. I've got to perform well enough. I've got to obey as many of the commandments as I can. I've got to please God in everything. I've got to just believe, believe, believe with all my heart. And if I can drum up enough of that, that'll convince God that he, he'll do what I want and he won't leave me over here in this camp where I have to say, hey, even if God doesn't come through, I'm going to follow him. And I just want to be super honest about that. that. That belief, whether it's just an assumption that you've made or maybe you actually heard it taught, is absolutely false. There, there is no promise in Scripture that if you do good enough here, that God will provide for you everything you want and exactly the way you want it over there. I say this because a lot of us come to that point where, wait a minute, I'm over here, 
And God's not coming through the way I had anticipated and the way that I'd hoped. They're not getting better. They're not being healed. The finances aren't turning around. The job isn't being made available. Fill in the blank, but we get here, and God's not coming through the way that I want, and there's this sense of, God, you've let me down. I've done my part. You're not doing your part. I'm going to go find me another carrier. And that mistake that God is beholden to us because somehow we've drummed up enough faith is just that, a mistake. Back to, uh, back to the matter at hand here in the text. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, he's pretty fired up. He's been directly defied by these three young men. The king's command, we are told, are, was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. King didn't like that he was challenged, didn't like that the men refused to do things his way, so he made good on his promise. Heats up the, fire, the furnace extra hot, ties them up. The, it's, it's so bad that the guys carrying him in uh, are killed from the flames, and these guys tip in, fully tied into the furnace. And now I want you to remember this. Those of you who have heard this story already, you know how it ends. So you're not too troubled by the fact that this is happening. But these men were living this story in real time, right? They hadn't been to Sunday school. They hadn't read the end of the chapter. What do you imagine that they were thinking and that they were feeling in those moments as they're actually falling into the flames out of the dying arms of the men who had escorted them there? I imagine that what they were feeling were some of the same feelings of disappointment and disillusionment, of confusion and kind of emptiness and isolation that you and I feel when we hit those points where we feel like God hasn't come through, when we really needed him here and he didn't show up, when we desperately wanted this particular move and it didn't happen. They didn't know it in that moment, but they were just seconds away from one of the coolest miracles in the entire Bible, just moments away. But it probably didn't feel like that to them, right? It probably felt like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. I'm out of options, and death is imminent, and there's nothing I can do about it. That's what it felt like. You know what it feels like in the moments right before a miracle? It feels like desperation. It feels like helplessness. It feels like no options. That's what makes the miracle the miracle. And maybe you're feeling that way this morning. Maybe there's some part of your life that just feels like you're out of options, you're out of places to go, and, and death and destruction and doom are simply imminent, and there's no getting around them. And I'm just going to say that if you're feeling that way this morning, it's possible that you're just a few moments away from a really cool miracle. And that's not a promise that you are, but there's a possibility that you are. And it's in those moments that we're called to live a life of double-fisted faith that says, God, I absolutely believe that you can and I'm hopeful that you will, but even if you don't, you're my God and my faith is in you and I trust that perhaps you know what you're doing even more than I do. So to finish the story, because those of you for whom this is a new story are probably very worried about these young men at this point, they go into the fire, but it turns out they're not burned up. They're not even consumed. The story actually tells us that, um, that they don't even end up smelling like smoke or anything like that. And Nebuchadnezzar, watching from his perch, looks in and sees them walking around and just kind of chilling in the, in the midst of this furnace. And when he looks in, he sees not just the three of them, but a fourth person along with them who he perceives to be and to look like a son of the gods. And so there are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with the son of God there in the furnace, not dying, not being consumed, and not having the worst happen. And Nebuchadnezzar sees this and says, wow, this is a miracle. If I served a God like that, I wouldn't bow down to that stupid statue either. And he pulls him out and makes this decree that everyone in the kingdom should worship the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and not the stupid statue that he had set up. And it's a really cool ending to the story. And I know that when I read that story and when I hear that story, I go, man, that is awesome for them. I'm so happy that it worked out that way for them. I'm so glad that God came through for them that way. 
I'm actually pretty impressed by them that in that moment of crisis where the choices were before them, they were able to stand strong and say, I believe God's going to take care of us, but even if he doesn't, I'm not going to leave God for anything. I'm glad they were great and heroic like that. But you know what? I'm not that heroic. And I'm not that strong, and I'm not that brave. And I don't think that I can do that. I'm not sure that I have what it takes to live that kind of double-fisted faith in both directions at the same time. But can I say something to you? I, b I believe that you are, and I believe that you can. And I want to just suggest four things that you can do that can help you in that particular battle. And one of them, the first one is this, is to start with the small stuff. If you wait until you're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace and, and hurtled into your death before you start working these issues out, it's a little bit late in the game. And I say this in part because of the experience of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. See, this wasn't their first experience of living a life of double-fisted faith at all. In fact, so as young men, they, they, their Jerusalem had been conquered, and they'd been drug off as exiles to this new land in Babylon. That's what the Babylonians did. They conquered a city, they conquered a country, they took kind of the best and the brightest and brought them over to Babylon, and they trained them in the Babylonian ways and kind of raised them up there and incorporated them into the system, right? Well, these guys had been brought in, and at the very beginning of kind of the training process, they were given access to all of the best and the, and the greatest, the best food, the best lodging, and the whole thing. But because they were Jews, they had these dietary laws that were a part of their relationship with God. And, and these young men said, with, with the best food all around them, and the opportunities, like we're, we're a conquered people, uh, we've been exiled, and yet they're going to give us the best food in all the land. They said, that's actually going to violate our conscience a little bit. So if it's possible, if we could just have like water and veggies and some healthy stuff, we'd prefer that. Frankly, I don't understand what on earth they were doing, but good for them. <laughs> but, in, but in a moment that probably didn't matter as much as a fiery furnace, they said, wait a minute. Here's a chance to compromise. Here's a chance to just enjoy the food and set some of our traditions aside. Hey, it's, it seems to be inevitable some things are going to have to change. We're just going to compromise a little bit here on the issue of, of food. But they chose not to. See, in an area that was small and, and maybe less significant, they developed the habit of never compromising, never giving in, and never leaving their faith in God. And because of that, their disappointment in being, uh, in being exiled was transformed into a diligence. And amidst the confusion, they demonstrated their character. And that transferred their exile into an opportunity to give God glory. What about you? You may not be facing right now the crisis of your life. Maybe the issues you're facing right now are really relatively minor and, to the naked eye, somewhat insignificant. Can I tell you, that's the place that you build the habit patterns, you build the disciplines of refusing to compromise and living a life of full faith in God and yet commitment to whatever, whatever his will decrees. It begins with the small stuff and you can begin there. Um, a second way that you can become more heroic and embrace a life of double-fisted faith is this, is to have your response to those situations prepared in advance. You know how it is in the heat of the moment when crisis breaks and things are going haywire and the emotions are kind of through the roof and making a good decision under those circumstances is really, really difficult. And so there's great value in thinking through in advance how it is that you might respond to those kinds of situations. Instructive, by the way, if you want to construct a response to those moments of disappointment when God doesn't seem to be coming through, it's a great idea to look at what these young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in their particular situation. They said, God is able and God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, we won't leave him. And I love what they did. They sandwiched a statement about what they believe right in between two statements about what they know, right? We know that God is able to deliver us from you. We have no doubt about that. And that is a great place to start. Start with what you know, that God is able. And then in the middle is this believe statement. And this belief statement you're going to hold maybe a little more loosely than I know. I know God is able, and I believe that he will deliver. There's an I know, there's an I believe, and then there's the final I know, which is, but whether he comes through or not, whether my belief, whether the way I see this playing out is accurate or not, regardless of that, what I do know with all conviction is this, 
that however this plays out, I will not leave the Lord my God. I will not walk away from his love, grace, care, and purpose for my life just because the way I thought it was going to happen didn't play out. And I believe really strongly that it's in the moments of greatest strength. It's, the it's in the times when, when there are not a lot of crises on the horizon, where, where things are going okay and we're managing all right. Those are the times to firm up the what I believe about God's capability to deliver me, right? And to, to come to grips with the things I believe God will do, but also to come to a place of really firm conviction that should the worst happen, and should God not come through in the particular way that I'm hoping that he does, should that happen, I've already made a strong resolution that I won't be swayed, that my faith in God will be truly double-fisted, heading in both directions that way. There's a, there's a third item, a third thing that you can do to become more robust in that double-fisted faith, and it's a hard one. And it's this, you, you need to adjust your expectations about the happy ending. We love happy endings, right? I mean, you can, you go to a movie, you sit through all manner of tragedy and pain because why? You know there's a happy ending come, come the close of the film. And there's this innate part of us that really wants to believe that there's a happy ending to this situation in my life. And from a biblical standpoint, there is. It just might not be in this life. It may be in the life to come. It may be in eternity. If you get to the, uh, the book of Hebrews and you read chapter 11, it is such a faith-building chapter in the Bible. It, it recounts kind of all of the heroes of the faith throughout the uh, biblical narrative, and it talks about all the different people who just had faith in God in the midst of impossible circumstances, and they saw God come through. And, and it goes from the Old Testament and all the way through, and it talks about people who just, against overwhelming odds, continued to have faith in God, and God rewarded their faith, and they saw a triumph and a victory. And that's about two-thirds of the chapter, and that's typically where I stop. Because the last third of the chapter is not so encouraging, but it's still in the Bible, so I think it deserves at least a look. The writer says this, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They, were, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Are you feeling encouraged yet this morning? The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground, these were all commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what had been promised, at least not in this life. And it's interesting to me that the writer of the Hebrews says, look, in the, in the list of the heroes of faith, there are a group of people who expressed their faith and exercised their faith and saw great results, right? But also included in that same canon of faithful people are people who exercise the same faith and the same belief in God. And even when the results didn't show up, and even when they were tortured and killed and sawed in half, they said, no matter what happens, I will not leave my God. I won't abandon him for a better provider. What a great testimony of faith that is as well. If your expectation of God is that in this life he will always tie everything up in a nice neat package with a bow and leave you with a happy ending in the here and now, uh, you're bound to be disappointed. But if, you under, but if you understand the biblical presentation, that the reward that God has for us and the happy ending that he has in mind is not just about this life but the life to come, you're going to find yourself in a much, much better place, much more equipped to handle the struggles and the tribulations that come. Finally, this fourth thing that you can do to grow and develop and deepen your sense of a double-fisted faith is this. You can anchor your faith in an unchanging truth. To place your faith not in a particular outcome, not in a particular experience, but to place your faith and anchor it in an unchanging truth. And the truth has to do with who Jesus Christ is, right? 
there came this point in Jesus' ministry. He'd been having great success. He'd be, been becoming very popular. He was wielding a lot of influence. And then he taught a few things that caught people off guard and kind of ticked them off. And it made the life of following Jesus a lot more difficult. And, and, and the people begin hopping off the ship and saying, ooh, maybe I don't like where this is going. I don't like the, how this is playing out. And the people began to leave. John records it this way. He says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And you can hear it in the text, you that tone that was in Jesus' voice. You don't want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. People are departing and people are abandoning him. They're, they're hopping off to go find another provider because, because the one they've got isn't satisfying them. And Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, Peter had anchored his faith at that point, not in an experience, not in a particular outcome, not in a particular version of success, Peter had anchored his, anchored his faith in the sense that I have come to know who Jesus is. He is the only one who has the words of life, and he is, in fact, the Holy One of God. And in view of that, Simon was one of those who demonstrated with his life and his own martyrdom that, yes, while he would always believe that Jesus could and would save, he was willing to go to his death, which he did, without ever leaving or abandoning his Lord, finally. Oh, he had some hiccups along the way, Right? He denied him in the courtyard uh, around the time of Jesus', Jesus crucifixion. But ultimately and finally, Peter was one of those who said, I won't back away and I won't give up and I won't abandon my Lord. And he lived to his last breath declaring the Lordship of Jesus Christ. How do, how do we make our anchor firm? Look, if our faith is anchored in a place that says, hey, my anchor will hold firm as long as life looks okay and things work out okay, that's not a great place to anchor. That's an anchor that's going to get pulled up and we will be adrift in no time at all. But when we anchor our faith in a statement of ultimate truth, that Jesus Christ is in fact the Holy One of God, that he holds the plans of God in his hands and he enacts them on our behalf. When we believe that that is true, our faith is firm. And it builds us up so that we can live a life in the midst of crisis, in the midst of trial, in the midst of persecution to say, I believe God, I know God can deliver me. I believe that he will. But even if he chooses not to, for reasons that I may not understand in this life, I will not leave him. I will serve my God with every breath that I have. I want to ask you to pray with me here real quick. And specifically, I want to I pray for those who feel like you're in a spot this morning where you need to exercise some of that double-fisted faith. On the one hand, you need God to deliver you. And maybe on the other hand, you're not sure what's going to happen if he doesn't. Or maybe even recently, you've been, uh, you've been disappointed by God. And you said, that's it, I'm a, I'm a dissatisfied com customer and it's time for me to walk away. I want to pray for you this morning. God, for those of us who are in this place of really figuring out at some very deep levels what our faith is about and where it is placed and where it is rooted and anchored. God, I want to pray for each one that's there. God, would you meet them in an incredibly powerful way? God, would you pour out on us as a congregation the gift of faith, the gift of faith, so that we don't have to try and drum it up and work it, work it up and convince ourselves of something, but that God, by your grace, we would have faith to believe in who Jesus Christ is and to trust his decisions for our life. And because of that, to walk faithfully forward with a conviction in our heart that I will not leave him, I will not abandon him. I will trust his care for my life and walk in faithfulness moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Scott. I want to have that kind of faithfulness to the gospel, don't you? Um, thank you for that word. Um, next week, we're starting a brand new series uh, called Hidden Treasures. And uh, this is going to be a wonderful series on our identity uh, in Jesus. 
so if you know someone who you could bring with you who's maybe struggled with that, that idea of who am I? Why did God put me here? You know, those reasons, or maybe even just yourself, you uh, want to dive more into this. We're going to be talking about that we're wonderfully uh, and fearfully made, that, that we belong in God's family, and that we're an object of God's love and uh, many other facets of uh, who we are in Jesus. So please bring someone with you. Uh, next week when we start this new series. If you are new here, or maybe you've been coming here but just have not been connected yet, I would love to meet you at our First Connect right over here underneath this monitor. If you're someone who uh, is in need of prayer this morning, we have uh, some people who would love to pray with you, and they will be right over here under this monitor. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.